2: Hello everyone, welcome to the Rangers Review, where four well-kent Rangers fans from social media get together to look back on Rangers form. We will be worshipping James tabanea and praise the fact that since we started this, we're really unbeaten. And there's also time for a laugh at the East End Meltdown. My name is Stevie Clifford, I'm uh, from Four Lads Had a Dream, and joining us is the Overlord, the main man from Heart to Hand, Mr David Edgar. David, how are you?
0: I'm grand, I mean, I'm, I'm surprisingly happy at the moment, because like most Rangers fans, you're sort of occasionally stomping and mm-hmm. going, hang on, we're brilliant, and it's it's been a while since that happened.
2: It certainly has, um, and I mean, and Christmas time as well, David, which for me is basically like being on Prozac daily.
0: Yeah, so this, no, is this, really, this, this is, is uh, literally a holy time for you.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> this, this is indeed. Um, also join us wonderful CJ Novo.
0: CJ, how are you? I'm doing fantastic,
3: mate. How's yourself?
2: Smashing, mate. Uh, I can, I can to, tell. Uh, <laughs> I'm, still, I'm actually well this time, so I'm quite pleased. I'm quite happy. So oh,
3: that's right. I yeah, you, uh, had your arse hanging at you the last time. <laughs> on this.
0: If
2: you've <laughs> ever seen the film
0: Elf, Stevie gets like that from about October the 23rd. So <laughs> by the time we hit this stage of December, then your all bets are off.
1: Yeah, elf with explosives idea, fantastic! <laughs> as a, as Merry Christmas! <laughs> yeah, Get some stencils out, Stevie, and you can do the house up as well. You? <laughs> <laughs> <There you are. laughs> I'm the host this
2: week. This is out of order. Sorry, this <laughs> is terrible banter. Tommy McIntyre from the wonderful This Is Ibrox joins us. Tommy, thanks for that intro, mate.
1: We're always happy to, to oblige. It's my second date. This is generally where it all goes wrong in my uh, in my life, anyway. Historically speaking. So, uh, but yeah, I'm the same as I'm the same as the uh, the other gentleman and yourself, which is in the midst of a global pandemic. It's not so much a silver lining as an absolute silver mine at the moment. That uh, everything seems to be really positive. It's it's unnerving, unnerving see.
2: So let's say. Uh... Let's venture back to where we left it. And basically when we left it last time, we were nine points clear. Um three points if you include it. So they would have two games in hand. David, first up, um Aberdeen was at home on the Sunday after a four 0 um for a four nil victory, goals coming from Kent, Ruth, James Tavernier, and Scott Arfield. That extended the gap after um after Hibs done us a wee favour the day before, which we both enjoyed, which we were both texting each other during. (laughs) um, That extended the gap, and that was a nice wee start to um, this run of form that we've been on.
0: Yeah, for me, the the key thing about them, and I'm not going to focus too much on that, but after the Old Firm game, I think that all of us felt as Rangers fans, well, they've got three aways coming up, and if they take nine points from those, they're right back in it. They could right off the old firm game as a blip and, and we can move on, but they didn't, they took five, they, they dropped points in two of the three fixtures and I, I think that that gave the support a lift because it, it it was different it said to us, you know, they're not what they've been before but all of that means nothing if we can't take the bins out ourselves um, Aberdeen one of the things about Aberdeen is that if there is any sort of excuse, then from the manager down, they will grab it and as soon as you heard of a couple of players out with COVID, I mean, the press conference was essentially, well, we're going to get beat. Um, and that's, that. you know, that that that's always give thanks to God, Allah, whoever your God is that Derek McInnes shattered um, Because otherwise that might have been us. Uh, can you imagine? I'm saying, well, Brandon Barker's injured. So, you know, you can't expect us to get three points. Um Rangers were terrific that day, I think. We've developed this really excellent habit of putting the game to bed early, not letting teams that want to sit in and, and you know, part the bus against us get get to do that. And I think that, that one of the best things about this Rangers team at the moment is because we've developed different ways to hurt teams, I'm sure we'll talk about Alfredo um, and the, the, the kind of difference that, Previously, if Alfredo wasn't scoring, we didn't score. I mean, really, you Dufresne know, Defoe would chip in, but that, that that was your lot, really, and teams knew that and they could focus on him. Whereas now, Rangers are hurting you from so many different places. There's obviously Tav, there's um, Bonobarisic on the other wing, there's Kent. Um, even when he's not hurting his most electric games, he always contributes something because he never, he never gives up, he never stops. And Kamar Roof, I think, is just a level above... Um, most players uh, in Scotland. He uh, he plays in places defences don't want him to play and he pops up in places that defenders are uncomfortable. So teams who previously could have had a well-organised set of two banks, uh, well, five really, but, but certainly a five and a four, that doesn't work as well now because Rangers drag you all over the place and eventually... The pressure tells and that game, you saw that in Aberdeen were put to bed quite quickly. And in the end, Rangers, I think, declared up 4-0 after an hour because we had a big European game coming up.
2: CJ, what I like about this Rangers team and what was also evident in the in the Aberdeen game is that when we get into the position where, you know, we're maybe 1-0, 2-0 up and the next goal is key, what actually happens is we go out and get two or three now at half time in that game, the next goal was vital, and we very quickly put that game to bed. Yeah. Does that impress you this season?
3: Definitely. I just feel like the standards never seem to drop, or we never seem to rest on our laurels, and I think that's coming right for Gerard when he sort of walked in the door. That's what he talked about—a ruthless Rangers team—and I think after years we have finally got that because we never seem satisfied until it is get the games literally done and dusty. And I just like the way we go about it. It's almost like he's gone out there on the second half and saying it's nil nil. Go out there and win it again because there's no difference from the start of the game to the start of the second half now, and that, that was something that was very hurtful over the last couple of years. We would normally have either a good second half or a good first half. We never had beef, but now we have. We've put that together, and that's why we're, we're at.
2: Tommy, what impressed you most about the, the Aberdeen game? Um, obviously, we had a wee bit of pressure. There was uh, the questions of whether we could take, you know, take advantage of what happened before, but they certainly answered those questions.
1: Well, I think that's probably a key point, and the, the the guys have touched on it as well. So if you talk about it from a in-game perspective, it's that relentless pressure that CJ's just spoken about, or David talking about the consistent rotation of movement, pulling teams into places they don't want to defend, where they're not particularly good at doing it, and then exploiting those gaps. These are some of these things are new components uh, for Rangers as well. And then you look at the the kind of macro level, so to speak, or you raise it up and you say, well, actually Rangers taking advantage for once of a slip up by somebody else, this is, you know, kind of news as well. Those two component parts coming together are probably the, the the themes for me there and what I was really, really enjoying seeing. I mean, in terms of looking at the way that Rangers set up, I think we all know now that we are a bit of a, I was trying to think of a decent analogy for it in terms of what CJ was just saying there as well. It's relentless pressure, but it's done in a managed way. So we are not chasing the ball about and just trying to get more and more goals. You know, we are saying, OK, what can we do to just play within ourselves if we've got a win here or whatever? We are a, we're a serial killer. We're not on a killing spree. <laughs> there, there we are, right? I've started really early, obviously, uh, on, on this one. But by that, I mean, you know, we are going after targets. We know exactly what we're trying to do. We're not just looking to get lucky or chasing more goals and everybody moving out of their positions. This is what you know really satisfies me about this Rangers team. And just to go back to your original question there, Stevie, because I've, I've kind of trailed it out a bit, it's the fact that we went to Aberdeen, which has been a difficult place for us in the past, where, much like I was mentioning about Kilmarnock last month, we've fallen into some traps. We didn't do that this time. Relentless pressure, taking advantage of your uh, rival slip-ups and getting out the door with a good performance, you tick those three boxes, you're in amongst the uh, the Brasso conversation come the end of the season.
2: Tommy, last time you were on, you mentioned um, players having affairs with um, their wives. <laughs> this, time, this time it's serial killers. Um, I've got no idea where this is going. I'm loving this. I mean, where do you take it next? But, David, um keeping with your league form. Um go back to last week and we make a, a, a journey up to Dingwall, which you left for, I think, on the Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we were first to go in this game um, and the team were excellent. Talk us through
0: it. Yeah, there was never really any doubt about it because I, I, I go on this a lot. Teams carry themselves in a certain way and I think... It, it shows you it's instructive about how they're going to end up, and, and a, a recent non-Rangers example to me is the difference in Liverpool after they won the Champions League domestically. I mean, that they never look, they 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 just looked like they believed, yeah. and Rangers have developed something of that this season where they they just look like we are going to beat you because we know if we. Do our thing. We're going to beat you, and eventually, you you have to guard against that turning into complacency. But I think we're a long way off that at the moment. Um, I think you know we're seeing it at the other side of the city, and that's that's what's um, caused their issues. That this team at the moment are enjoying that first flush of that, and you know Ross County were were decent. I mean, they were coming off a huge result. Let's be honest, yeah, no, and. Thanks. Uh, they they were they were they were flying after you know a big result and they really believed that their game plan the previous week if they executed it could get them something at home and also they had 300 fans and i know it doesn't sound like a lot but it makes a difference mm-hmm. and it was a big day for the local community as well because fans were getting in but you know the the defensive organization was superb um i thought for the first half an hour but you you knew how hard they were having to work just to you know keep afloat um and eventually that's that's going to you're going to tie and then you're going to sink. And that's exactly what happened to them. Um A, a superb ball um, from Stephen Davis. Oh, who is, God. oh it, it was, I mean, uh, we're going to sit here with a lot of things that, that, that were stonerific, but I think that, that there's one of them. I, I mean, a superb ball, of course, who, who would be there? Tav. Tav. What I loved about that move was Tav is... Watch before Davis even gets the ball. Tav gets on his bike and he points where he wants the ball. And that's two things. One, that seeing a move open up to you and, and Ruth goes at that point. That's good coaching. That's organisation. But also that's faith in your your teammate that he's going to find you with that pass. And that that's important as well. And afterwards, we then just ran over the top of them in the second half. And there was that sort of acceptance from Ross County that we're probably going to get battered today. Rangers have not had that in years. Celtic have had that for a number of years and they're losing it right now. And that makes such a difference because if teams think, if you're a big game for a team, and we always are, no matter what state we're in, if they think, yeah, but we can get something today, then they're 100% 90 minutes. It's tough. It's tougher than usual to get a victory. Whereas if they're kind of half beaten in the tunnel, I suppose, then that gives you an advantage. But you only get to that point by consistently handing out routine hammerings. And Rangers that day were fantastic. And and to CJ's point, a minute to go or whatever, Cedric Keaton substitute, goes chasing a lost cause, wins the ball in the corner, sets up Jermaine Defoe for a goal. That Just that little passage of play made me really happy because I thought that spoke volumes for the sort of attitude that permeates the, the whole squad.
2: Yeah, Tommy, um before we, I'll come to CJ in a wee saying, but Tommy David makes an excellent point there. See, when you're getting guys like Cedric Ipping, who's coming on when the game's basically dead at that point, given so much, his attitude looks so good, he looks he looks like he's smiling and happy, he's playing out of position as well. Um, that I mean, that that's got to be a good sign, it's got to speak volumes for what we're doing at the moment. It,
1: it is. I think we've we've spoken previously, and I know you guys hold the same opinion that it's permeated throughout the the entire squad. You know, everybody knows what the the vision is. Everybody's bought into it, so that goes down to you know Steven Gerrard and his management group as well. The players understand that there's going to be rotation. Not everybody can start. They've been sold on that before they come in the door, and then you look at people like Cedric. Um, I'm not going to. I'll go with Eaton and Itton, just to, just to play the numbers here. Um, I'm not sure my Swiss accent will hold up to that. But So if I go with Cedric, um, he's coming off the bench in a good place because we're a winning team, we're going in the right direction, everybody will get minutes in their legs, and the management group are explaining that to him. And then they also need to come off the bench and take their opportunity. So he comes off, he's in a good place, does his hard running, does his aggressive running, wins the ball, lays it off to... Um, Jermaine Defoe as well. And there's probably just a little capstone at the back of that, which is how pleasing it must be for the management group for Stephen Gerrard, because I know it all is for us as well as fans, that not only do you have a senior professional and Jermaine Defoe, who's been there and done it, who comes off the, the bench and, you know, just gets goals, right? Just the ball just, you know, he knows the movement in the box and he's the best finisher at the club. So he sticks one away immediately. But also being able to point to him and seeing other younger players of the squad and the, the reserves, etc. To see a player of that stature, know that he's not going to start every week. Not being a background noise undermining squad harmony, but saying... No problem, boss. I'll be ready when you call me whenever that is. I'll continue to work hard and show the professionalism, look after my body and my conditioning. I'll be in the gym. I'll be round about the squad for discussions with the younger players. I'll be doing Zoom calls about finishing for those younger players as well. If you read all that out, that's a great way to set expectations and that um, that quality standard within the squad as well. If Jermaine Defoe is keeping his mouth shut and working hard, then I expect all the rest of you to do it as well, and that's a that's a really nice capstone to that story as well.
2: CJ, a couple of thing, other things happened that day. One one was quite ugly in the fact that there was a challenge on um, Alfredo just at, on the stroke of half time, which led to um, has now been an investigation from Ross County, which they have cleared their own player Michael Gardine, yes. of making a comment, which will not will not spend too much time on. But the reaction of our players was something that um, pleased me in a way that they were all standing up for for Alfredo and that there is a real team unity there. But something else also happened afterwards. We extended our, our lead to 14 points. And I think most of us would probably have thought St. Johnston at home, you know, they're bound to take three points in that game, but they never. And it was another joyful Sunday afternoon for us all.
3: Yeah it was mate and there's a lot of things that actually happened in that Ross County game and all lot of points and one of the other things about it actually just before we speak about as obviously stretching the lead is we've got a guy in the sticks that makes an unbelievable save because they only had one shot on target but it came before we scored any goals when they were sort of cut inside again, and it's a phenomenal save and then we end up scoring and taking the lead 60 seconds after that save, and I just feel like with everyone getting applauded, it's like, Arfield rightly so, Tavernier just being the best player in Scotland, I think sometimes McGregor gets overlooked, but that save right there was absolutely huge in the game and it gave us a platform, so I just wanted to give him a wee shout as well, but everyone's kind of sort of nailing it the togetherness in this team right now is absolutely frightening everybody's celebrating each other there's nobody walking back no getting involved when a team when one person scores the team's celebrating you talked about that incident there that again we're not going to dwell too much on but the way everybody stuck together and backed each other and you could see them all walking off with each other and I just like that attitude the way Rangers came out they didn't lose their head they weren't overly frustrated they didn't lose their discipline they went right we're going to come out and absolutely pump you as a team And that's what they did in the game of football. And I think that is the main difference between what's happening here and then elsewhere is the team's bought into the one idea. Hell, you're seeing guys like Jermaine Defoe track back, and I've seen him block across at the left-back position this year. That's mental. But everyone is buying into this idea, working for each other, and that's the main difference. There's a real team here, and there's no egos. There's nobody sulking that they're not getting in. When the day come on, everyone's attitude's spot on. As Davey mentioned earlier, Big Cedric coming on the park. I thought Haddie's... Mindset was absolutely spot on as well. He was unlucky with a free kick and that's just ruined the entire squad. And there's a real Rangers team there and it's the first time that's been there in God knows how long.
2: So that little bonus, David, um of of St Johnston obviously took took the gap to thirteen. And we come to yesterday's match, we've done the United the final kind of lead match that we'll look at. Um they would append that down, as you said yesterday, as a as a wee potential blip for us. Mm. Um seen the team play better. But days like yesterday are the ones that, that bring good good things at the end of season.
0: I think it's a testament to the side that something I haven't seen and, to be honest, hadn't thought of myself really until this morning was we were away in Europe on Thursday and then 12 o'clock kick-off on the Sunday away to a team that hate us. And we went and we picked up the points. And because we're playing so well, I don't think there was the... I don't think that there was the, 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 the kind of, if you like, apprehension before we went into the match that people mentioned that as a factor. It didn't occur to us because that's how well the side have been doing. But it still is significant, I think. Um, yeah. You know, the early kickoff away uh, against a side that, that, as we saw, were going to be wholly committed in the match. And it... it over the years, you know, really successful Rangers teams have, have found Tannadice a wee bit of a, a graveyard at times. You know, Walter was never the most comfortable there. There were plenty of victories, but there were plenty of shockers as well, as uh, soon as as well. So, for me, uh, th- that's an aspect that I found very pleasing. Also, and this might sound a bit daft, and certainly didn't feel it at the time, but um, the day after, what happens if we get pegged back? Yeah, yeah, that. You know, because we haven't been conceding goals, will we react? Yeah, we did. Right, we didn't panic. We didn't allow United to to have ten minutes of pressure. And Rangers teams, even last season, if we conceded a goal, and even slightly at Hibs this year, if we conceded a goal, it took us ten minutes really to get our shit back together. Uh, and that didn't happen yesterday. And although it was narrow. In the end, because you know, 2 1 obviously. And the second half Rangers utterly dominated that match. I watched it back again this morning with the you know the the palpitations and the I have to say that I thought the the second half performance and the United didn't have a shot, you know, they really didn't. The last ten minutes the United tried the big lad up front and just shelled the ball in. It's not pretty, but it can be effective. It asks you questions. But they couldn't get the ball to to do that. They couldn't shell it in, they couldn't put us under that pressure because they couldn't get the ball, because Rangers just very very cleverly, very compactly kept it, um, and played out the remaining minutes fairly straightforwardly yes, it would have been lovely to to go and get, you know, four or five, and on another day I think we probably would have, I think, you know Alfie obviously, probably someone we're going to talk about didn't have his best day, the, the, the Arfield one hitting the post, and another day it hits the keeper and rolls in, and I think that the team almost sort of, with about ten minutes left went, right, okay, we're Looks like we're having one of those halves in front of goal We're not conceding And yeah. they saw that through And I think that, as I say, it was it was a common thing last year But even a, a, against Hibs earlier this year There was an element of it And to me, I, I take from that It's a side who are learning after each match Livingston earlier on this season I think might prove to be a pivotal game for us Because, look Hibs are a good side and they're playing well You can draw at Easter Road when they are, I think, undoubtedly the third best team in the country at the moment and on an upswing. So although we're all gutted and we should have won, um, it's not an end-of-the-world result. Levy was a bad one because we would always expect to beat them pitch or not pitch and the manner of that performance. But to me, that seems to have signalled a change from the management team where the handbrake has come off. And I think that the emergence of Scott Arfield during that period has been huge. Um, he, He has delivered... On a level that he, he probably hadn't in his whole time at Rangers, really, um, but certainly not last season. And I think that that the attitude has been from the management team of we are going to go out and we are going to take games by the scarf of the neck. We're not going to worry about getting countered on and getting hit on as much as we used to when we would always have the two defensive midfielders. Arfield will do you a shift as well, but he's a more attacking player. And I think that the side. Showed yesterday that the even recent lessons have been learned, and I'm a big one for you know I keep mentioning this, but it's because I think it's valid. Overcoming these little challenges every time you tick one off, it builds that character, and it builds that strength.
2: Tommy David makes a point there about the um, the team kind of evolving and the management taking the handbrake off. But for me, the the substitutes when you're bringing on the likes of food stuff, I think the management are learning. In terms of you know he's obviously a much more defensive player um, and he made a couple of good clearances and interceptions as well so it's a valuable kind of point to say that the management are evolving um, even from as David said that Livingston game
1: uh, absolutely and it's a you know a fair a fair synopsis by David there that covered the you know the bases I think you know honesty you know all conversations tend to come back to quality of squad and the the iterative nature. Of building building success if you want for a of a you know one of a better clunky phrase I think the the key points I always take away with that type of thing and you're right Stevie in terms of being able to turn to the bench and bring on somebody like Zungu, who looks like a um, a clever player as well which I'm always looking for a player who doesn't have to rely on speed to get them out of trouble or you know um, bullies people in like can they place their body in the right place so they can lead the game and he certainly seems to be in that that mold as well whilst also having the, the technical aspects. But it's the fact that, you know, to hit that phrase again, I think it is an iterative process, not just for the management team, but the players on the park, that they are now fully understanding that when you get into games, and David's referenced, you know, Hibbs, Livingston, I would reference some games from the previous two seasons as well, whereby we're not panicking if it's not going our way. So we don't then start launching it into the box a wee bit deeper, you know, Tav try to cross from the halfway line or something like that. Uh, And that's not me having a pop at James Tav in here, by the way, because I would expect to to be dragged off this podcast by by everybody. Uh, But, you know, we aren't panicking as well. The philosophy is obviously stuck and the vision is stuck to the players. No, no, it's fine. You know, it can be a turgid game or you can get pegged back level. Just keep playing the ball. Keep making them rotate. Keep making them think because they are not as good as you. You can move the ball quicker. You can exploit the spaces when they come up. You know, as you know, Graham Souness says, you know, find the dummy type type of type of scenario. And we're constantly doing that. I think it's although we all wax lyrical about the side and you know, same as David, you know, go back and you watch games and stuff. The absolute continued rotation of our players front to middle must be baffling for teams. And absolutely stretching their level for capacity, particularly when you look at some of the the players in our leagues, for example. But we do this in a European stage as well, and we are continually doing that and probing them away. And ultimately, you get you get your chances. You know, and again, as David has said, if we look at the Dundee United game specifically, on this uh, in this example, d- yeah, it was, a, it was a bit turgid. Dundee United got the goal. We could have done better defending, you know, both sides of the flanks. In all honesty, I'm still not entirely convinced, Liam Smith is trying to finish that. Uh, I, I thought he was trying to pull it back into the, the six-yard line, but I'm willing to take challenge on that. And he looked a bit sheepish when he was uh, celebrating. But, you know, we got ourselves back into it and we said, that's fine, let's just keep playing away at them and we'll ultimately unlock them as well. Whilst creating a host of chances that we missed. So it wasn't a great game and it finished 2-1 and it was a wee bit sticky. But actually, if Rangers take any of those chances that they made, you know, you've got uh, Kmart Roof not being able to get the header. You've got Arfield at the posts. You know, stuff David's already spoken about there, and Alfie having another day off. Then that game becomes really simple and a, real, a lot easier. The fact of the matter is, Rangers are suffocating teams, and in that second half, you know, I was I was reminded of, and I can't remember the player's name, but it was Rapid Vienna player last season, where after the game, at Ibrox, they said, you know, Rangers don't let you breathe, and I am absolutely certain even though it was a two-one scoreline. A hell of a lot of those done United players, certainly for defence, would have said the exact same. It's continual movement and ultimately it's three points in the bag. It's another rung on the ladder towards a championship.
3: Uh, sorry I just cut in, Stephen. Something else uh, from the game as well is our, our set piece, both attacking and defensively. That's something that's been heavily spoke up by uh, Gerard and McAllister whenever they've been doing their press conferences. And I think even in the ninety, I think they had the free kick in the last minute. And how high our defensive line was and the discipline to keep that line not to let anybody run in behind was phenomenal. Because we were just like, no, you're not getting in our box. You're not getting a free cross. You're going to have to do something special. And all it was was a floated cross. The guys had to jump pretty much at the edge of the box and try and generate enough power on the header mm-hmm. for that angle. And I just thought that right there just showed everything. Because how many things have we seen us sitting in there with give ups on our rebounds in the past? Oh. But no, we were sat outside that box and we were like, no. We're keeping that good line point. and everyone bought and that just really, really impressed me. Not only did we score a set piece, but last minute, last gasp, everyone's concentration was on point. It's a good point. A
0: good That's point. confidence. That's confidence because yeah. previously what we would have done and we've seen this is everybody would have been back dropped yeah. on the penalty spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. and you're right, in the amount of times that they're not just us, that the the you know, any football you watch, the teams that do that, you almost invite the opposition, I think. That, that you you kind of suggest that you're a bit worried, and it's amazing in football you will make your own luck or that kind of stuff. That it does drop to one of them. Whereas you're right. What we said to them is you've got to do something exceptional here. Somebody's got to either time a run, or you've got to deliver a, a you know a day of a cross, and neither happened. And the boy got the head on what from about twenty yards, and it, it <laughs> ran straight through to Alan McGregor, and that was it. it, it job done. And again, that's confidence, and I think that stems, you know, from from Goldson, from Tav, um, very much the leaders in, on the field. Certainly, you know, yeah. Tav overall, but Goldson at the back, and just saying to them, we're not dropping in there, we're not panicking, we're not sitting in. The only team that I think have forced us out of our rhythm was the last fifteen at home against Benfica. Benfica yeah. um, mm. I thought Benfica yeah. were fortunate to get a draw uh, in in Portugal. I don't think they were at Ibrox, even though we were 2-0 up. And people, you know, initially were quite angry afterwards. And and I wasn't so much disappointed, but not angry, because they moved us about the way we move domestic sides about. And that's OK, because think, you know, the money they've spent, the level of player they have, they're going to do that. What we need to do to compete against sides like that is work hard, make sure we're not making mistakes, etc. But that's the first time a team has has made our defence and our whole side, you know, look buggered in a match because they just shifted the ball so quickly, so often that eventually they wore us down. And and that'll happen when you meet you know real quality, and it'll happen to you know Benfica when they meet a side of higher quality, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But domestically, Rangers are, so I think, imposing. Yeah, imposing the fact that we have better players on other sides, and that
1: is is an enormous part, I think, of the continued success. Yeah, just to just to in I think it's a key point actually, and. It, I think it speaks to the narrative that we are quite rightly constantly talking about Rangers and the fact that we've got the players to unlock. And I agree with you, David, about that last 15 minutes in Benfica or sorry, against Benfica as well. Uh, I think it's the only time we've genuinely looked unruffled. Um, sorry, ruffled, I should say. But we're always talking about we have the players to unlock these low blocks or these packed defences and, and, you know, Teams making us us, us work and we have to do all the thinking. But the flip side of that, and I think David maybe slightly referenced this as well when he was talking about teams being beaten in the dressing room or beaten in the tunnel or beaten on the coach or beaten in their own houses, or whatever, right? Is the fact that we are quite confidently saying to them, and it speaks to CJ's point as well, we've got a better keeper than you. We've got a better unit of a defence to you. We've got better midfield and we're better up front. Okay, you ask us questions. And by and large, these Scottish teams, you know, domestic teams, and a lot of European teams that we've come up against so far as well, haven't been able to unlock us. It's just a slight lens change in terms of yes, we've got difficult questions to answer game and game, but the questions that we are posing to these teams so far, nobody has been able to find real answers apart from, as David quite rightly referenced, the 15 minutes against Benfica. But we are a really, really good side that play really good football but also have all the tools to lock other teams out. And that's a that's a pretty good mix.
3: Yeah, and when they don't open the doors and they can't beat the low block, we've also got guys like Tavernier that can hit 35-yard free kicks and put it in the top bin. I'll take one,
1: <laughs> one of them every day of the week, to be honest.
2: <laughs> <laughs> can I just ask, has anybody ever seen a better free kick? Well, we were going to, I was going to come to because I think that tap deserves a whole section himself. Yeah,
0: terms- I think. I think yesterday was one of those moments where there's a wee split second between the ball hitting the net and your reaction because you're sort of. like, I need to check that 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 I what I think I saw I saw, um, and it, it, you know it would have been great if there'd been a crowd in because I think you would have had that just that nanosecond where everybody goes. He fucking scored that <laughs> um, because it really was. I mean, for me, it's the the other one, the one everybody references, and understandably was was the Roberto Carlos one. But if you actually watch, there's a brilliant image of it from behind the you know behind the other goal, I think, but behind Tav. Look what the the height of the ball at its highest. It must be about fifteen feet above the crossbar, and he somehow <laughs> managed to get it up there and down. At the exact moment, in behind the keeper, Dundee United had a six-foot-three goalie who's quite athletic. They could have had three of them, and they wouldn't have got to that.
3: He hit the ball that high that Connolly, who was in the water, actually is walking forward. Doesn't even look back because he's like, oh, he's ballooned that out of the bar. And that's the best thing about it. I don't know if he's ever I've noticed this yeah. yourself, but when you watch the replay, Connolly is walking forward saying, ah, Tav's blew that out of the bar. And then he, then he turned round because everyone's celebrating. It's like, what the f*** just happened? And that's that's incredible.
0: It was, it, 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 he'd given it up, because, I mean, it, it, it was <laughs> heading into the middle of fucking dense Park, and then all of a sudden it just gets this, but the best thing about it was is he put it exactly where he wanted to put it, oh. Um, and, uh, you know, that thing about I'll never hit another free kick like that in his puff, I, I wouldn't bet against it.
1: Yeah, he certainly got the technique put in, it's no bad thing you see Stephen Gerrard saying, well, that's world-class technique. It's, I think for me as well, in that, um you're talking about as well there, CJ, I think Borna Barisic's mouth is hanging open as well, <laughs> standing next to him. Yeah. But it's the fact that he gets it up and over the wall, right? And like you say, it goes way high and it comes down. But he's not floated in. You know, it's not as if the keeper's shuffled across and not got to it. It's hit with a fair amount of pace as well. I'd, I'd, I, I'm quite jealous, actually. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. I just wish I had that technique just once. I would settle for one of them. And one, just one in my life to have a free kick like that but I really bet against Tav doing it another couple of times this season
2: See, To be honest, I'd settle for even being able to get the ball off the ground but that's another <laughs> thing. Um, It would be a mess over CJ um, and I'll just come to you with this the League Cup, um, we went away yeah. to poker, a very much changed squad Defoe, Bassey a, a, a lovely born, a free kick um, and then a brilliant to have volley at the back post to win 4-0. And that was significant because, you know, obviously we're going for our our first trophy in February. You you get the feeling that if we could nail one, then it it might, you know, give this team even more added belief. And if you add that to what we're doing at the moment, it might just be unstoppable. But for other reasons as well, that weekend turned out to be extremely joyful also.
0: Uh,
3: Yeah, that's right. Well, that was the thing. Before the even game, we had saw pretty much everyone just get beat. I mean, there was cup shock after cup shock uh, cup after cup shock. But even after all these dominoes were falling away, the shot with Aberdeen, Mullerwell and obviously Celtic. Not once did I even think for one split second that that could happen to us. And that's just the belief that I've got in this team. And you just saw it. I think we hit we hit the bar within 50 seconds of that game and tried to day across for the foe, And it was just relentless. And I feel like... Falkirk, if I'm being honest, actually gave us a better game of football than the majority of the teams in the SPFL. They actually got the ball doing and tried to play a wee bit of football. But you could see when we wanted to turn it on, we really turned the screw. And again, you kind of mentioned it a minute ago there, Stevie. Again, another set piece for Borna. Fantastic free kick. We scored from Bassey another set piece. Uh, with the corner. We are absolutely killing teams for all different ways. So if you block Tavernier, if you block Barisic, well, we've got this guy that can step up, we've got set pieces now. And I just thought that was a good wee show for boys that was coming in, getting the games, but again, showing the standards didn't drop because we still scored the same types of goals as we would day, no matter who was starting.
2: Yeah, I think what was also special about that day, CJ, was that um, we've seen performances from Leon King and Kieran Dixon as well and I commented and done a blog very next day that for me it was a very special moment because it's like an additional thing for the club that after so many years of the youth development being deprived and not looked after Mm -hmm. um, you know after 2015 when King came in and things and they invested in it again, they've turned that around to the point where five years later we're now bringing these guys through and in and for me it just kind of represented that we're back on the right track. Both these boys look extremely talented. Absolutely.
3: And there'd have been another one starting, if it wasn't it, obviously for an incident with Scotland under 21s, with Young and He'd have been starting that game as well. So you're looking at that Rangers team, and there's a real path there for these youth players to make it in the first team. Gerard's made that clear. If you work hard, you finish that believe in your own buzz. You keep what he's doing. You keep working. He will give you his opportunities and I thought the two young lads and I liked the fact that Dixon by the way was wearing number 55, well played son um, I like the mm-hmm. fact that they came on there and they grabbed their opportunity because to me none of them put a foot wrong and even Glenn Middleton who a lot of people was actually overlooking he was playing left back and the lad nearly created an opportunity with his first touch as well and I just like the fact that these players are coming in with a belief you can clearly see everyone wants to work hard and everyone's no saying, Oh, that's just a youth player will just sort of run it. Now, people were still making runs for King, still making runs for Dixon and I just liked that. Everyone seems to be working hard for each other.
2: Yeah, it was definitely a good day and, and very much what I liked about it was it was very much routine yeah. and made it look routine. Um and I think that just kind of you know, shows where we are as a team. But moving on, um I'll just, you know, I'm going to throw this out to everyone as well. Europe, we had Benfica, um, 2-2, Standard Liège, a brilliant 3-2 victory, and then we went to Leic and and won 2-0. Ending, you know, a fantastic group stage. And we're now, you know, first time since 92-93 that we went unbeaten in a group stage. Um, Highest points tally, I think, ever in a group stage as well. Um, Throw this out to you boys, whoever wants to jump in with this one. I mean, Europe, it really has been a fantastic campaign. When you factor in as well, went to Holland and dubbed Vllam for nothing, which gets overlooked in my opinion far too much. Then we beat Galatasaray to go and put the results together in Europe, and not only financially but the way we've done it. And albeit, yeah, Benfica kind of rocked us, and we were, you know, we were looking pretty twice. But I'm not going to complain about that, which may shock you. Um, I've just <laughs> overwhelmed, you know. And in terms of Europe, I've not been this happy with a Rangers team since, you know, 1996, when a, a certain girl band were, were storming the world. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wondered
0: how that would... I wondered. I did oh. wonder, but, you know, I, it it I didn't car. see it coming. Didn't David, see it coming. You got that one
2: up and over the wall quite well. Yeah, and yep. It snuck into the top corner. David, jump in, talk to us about Europe.
0: I thought you were gonna see John and talk to me about the spice. That's what i to It's
2: gonna go, you know, five,
0: three, one, four, two. Um, <laughs> I, I, I uh, yeah, look, Europe to people my age uh still happening that, by the way, David, to be It's been one of the most... Yeah, I'm still shocked, I'm still kinda of sick. Whew. Um first into first into song. I, I think that You know, Europe, to people my age, has been such a relentless kick in the stones. No matter how good Rangers were on paper going into it, we always were made to... Man, you just felt like hillbillies when you got into Europe because, you know, you thought you were so great and cosmopolitan and we'd come up against these sides and it'd be like, wow, we've got a long way to go. Because Scottish teams, not just Rangers, but Scottish teams in general, treated the ball like, you know, the the way Celtic fans treat barriers um we just couldn't couldn't wait to get rid of it and i think that in the in this iteration of the you know to, to steal a word or, or iteration i suppose um oh, yeah, yeah I that, I that's a, li- a link back right a bit of fore- <laughs> foreshadowing earlier. i think that it's the manner in which we do it, because we don't go out and play. You always get this, don't you, from managers in Europe? Or oh, there'll be a very physical, aggressive side. And you're like, well, we'll be aggressive. But if you're expecting us to, you know, long balls and elbows, that that ain't us. And we get the ball down and we play it and we pass it and we play it at tight spaces and um, we're confident. We've got faith in our teammates. That's something that Scottish teams have lacked for years, which is, well, he's got a guy on him, I can't pass him. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you've got to do that risk reward. The goal against Galatasaray, I think, is the key indicator of that. That if you want to make things happen against top level opposition, safety first isn't going to get you anywhere. And I think that within the European group, the fact that Rangers could make seven changes to the side, uh, go away in Europe to Poland, not easy, um, and win. And we all knew they were going to win. We were all extremely confident we were going to win, and we did so very straightforward manner, That that's new. Even to me, you know, even somebody that's been about for 35 years, maybe older bears um, don't quite have that, but that's new to me to be able to do that because I can't think of any Rangers side that would have really been able to do that in the past. And I think a great deal of it is the manner in which we play and the style in which we play. Now, we've said before, I think, collectively as a support that uh, we're better set for Europe than we are domestically and maybe it has taken us a wee bit longer to translate the skills that we have in Europe into this quirky strange wee league of ours but I think in Europe that the sides, they don't fear anyone because if it's a side on our level we think we'll be better than them and if it's a side on paper slightly above a letter we think we'll outwork them and put the challenge to them and that's a really healthy attitude and it's not an attitude that's been prevalent at my time supporting Rangers.
1: I think that's uh yeah, I, I really agree with that. And I was I was just thinking back, you know, for every, you know, I've I still burned in my mind, I've maybe got a Unaria or a Jenny or an AEK Athens uh, buried in there somewhere that uh, I, I'm not going to kind of touch on them too much. But if you cycle forward then and you get to where we are right now, and, you know, David was picking up the, the, the threads there, you've got it's not just the performances, it's the, I'm back to the same words, I think, but it's the consistency of the performances. So we're not talking here about, or Rangers had a, a good result over two legs against a decent Galatasaray team, or they had a good result against um or, or anything like that. Actually, now within the, the Steven Gerrard catalogue, European catalogue, you know, you've got consistently being able to match up with teams who are in slightly r- richer leagues. Or I've got better squads on paper or whatever that looks like. I mean, I think you've got, what, Portugal, the ninth uh, highest TV deal in Europe, Belgium, 10, Poland, 15. So there's the current group that, that we'll deal with as well. And I think Scotland sits in there at 19th. But the point I'm, I'm making there is you've got, you know, a book there of consistency of saying, well, we go to Europe now and play these teams off the park or... Get right in amongst them, or it's tight games. But we score, we keep it, we keep it decent, and we aren't lumping the ball forward. We aren't being that, you know, stereotypically aggressive British team that you know David was was referencing quite rightly there. We are unlocking them and then putting the challenge down to them of okay, let's play football, let's let's do that cliche. Let's okay, you're a European footballing team, let's go toe to toe with that because we've got the ability to do all this. And never out with of the season, obviously you were referencing there, Stevie. Have I seen A Rangers team being able to consistently go to the continent and come back with points and results, but also performances where we're not saying, well, that was a smashing grab. Or we got out of there, you know, very rarely, uh, if at all, can I really think of that over the the Steven Gerrard uh, era, where it's been really backs to the wall and we've got away with something. And it's had a diametric effect on the Scottish standings of European co as well, which I'm sure the whole of Scotland and all the subsequent supporters of our teams thank us for. But it's that part for me. It's We are now in a position whereby we aren't complacent because there will be blips, there will be challenges. We have a really good example of that in Bayer Leverkusen, who you know, I think by and large played us off, off the park over two legs, if I was being brutally honest about it. But for lots of other teams, we are a real cause for concern if our name comes out in the, in the, the draw next to them.
2: CJ, plenty of um, zigga zigga to that
1: European performance. I mate, mean, we definitely spiced up the light. That
0: that was just. Uh, oh God Almighty! I I, I only know to become one in Mama now, so I'm I don't know how I'm gonna play this. Uh,
2: I I'll just say, who do you think you are?
3: Oh
0: damn it! Damn it! <laughs>
2: CJ. Um, say you'll be mine and talk oh. to the European company. Nobody's gonna beat him at this. Let's no, 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 no. just yeah, even let's...
0: if the three of us could combine, one of us could go and Google and we'd still lose because he knows like <laughs> b sides and shit. Uh,
3: he could do Viva forever. It would just hey! be fun. Uh... <laughs> okay.
1: I'm not even taking part. I want that to be. I want that to be a part of this recording. I am not taking part in this. <laughs> Consciously not taking part.
3: not to kind of touch on basically what you said there. It's just. Such a, a great thing to have so much respect for European teams because we're now seeing European teams not come in and swan at a boot and just say, aye, we're gonna win that game easily. No, they're adjusting and changing how they play, how they set up to stop and nullify us. And that's the biggest job Gerard's done. He's got respect back to your name at the international level and European level. And just like Tommy was saying there, we will really look at Rangers and say, Oh, that's an easy draw. They went off years ago. But no, no. And that's the, the biggest thing I can take away. The respect that's on your club's name at a European level is frightening.
0: We were actually worse than we should be for decades. In yeah, Europe. Yeah. Not only was it not that we didn't punch our weight, we were well, well below that. And you know, I was going to say it's easy to laugh at Celtic, but then it was easy to shoot Bambi's mum and it never stopped to hunt us. So <laughs> that's exactly what we help you? <laughs> uh, that's exactly what, what the, the, I mean, hey if you want to go and shoot baby deal that's your business Um, they're, business? they're in that exact position, they're in that exact area that, that they cannot you know, that's not the wage bill they have in European performance, that's not the ambitions that they have, it's not the level that they should be at, whereas we've been the opposite and now the most, I think edifying part of this season is that the domestic form is catching up with that where Rangers had underperformed domestically under Gerard, That is what's different this season. European, they've maintained, they've developed, they've got better because as we said, you know, year one, we got to group stage year two, we came second and got out of the group stage year three. We, we won the group and, and came through undefeated with a record points total. So that has has gone maybe the way you would hope it would do, which is steady progression. Domestically, we've hit the same buffers over and over again. But it appears that they have finally found a way to translate the the confidence and the ability that they have in Europe. Put it this way, can anybody imagine Ryan Kent saying something like, we find Europe easier because there's too much pressure on us domestically? Or, you know, I'm paraphrasing there, but similar now. Wouldn't it occur to him? Doesn't, he doesn't look like a boy that, that looks as though he's, he's ever had that Thought in his life, and that I think is 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 the huge difference between us this season. Not our European performances, but although it's great that they've strengthened and developed and deepened, but it's it's taking that into the domestic game because it is slightly different. It is a puzzle. It's not just as automatic of well, you know, you can beat these teams, but you can't beat the draws in Scotland. They're different challenges, but I think that they've been able to to almost sort of shape that now into. Yeah, but that does mean we have the ability to beat all of these teams domestically, and they are now putting that into practice.
2: CJ,
1: yes. it
2: was really remiss of us not to discuss the form of James Tavernier. Huh. Um, it would be fair to say that some quarters, um, and even I questioned whether or not he was battle scarred from you know previous campaigns and seasons. Mm-hmm. Especially after the the Harps defeat in the cup um, just before, you know, subsequent lockdown and everything else, he he got a lot of stick um, as captain. Um, he's he's doing okay. I he's I on a nobody season, I.
3: Uh, I think we could get a wee bit more at him. Nah, it's scary what he's actually doing. The new, and you, when you look at the stats, and then, honestly, the FIFA numbers, you'd be proud of them if you are doing that in Ukraine mode on easy difficulty, never mind doing it in real life. What is it? 27 games, 17 goals, 13 assists. <laughs> and that's even the fact that they've robbed him two assists, one of their own goals that he forced versus Ross County, isn't accounting as an assist. So he's even got mayor beyond those ridiculous numbers and 19 clean sheets within that as well. So he's done his job defensively, and he's just doing a ridiculous ronaldo s job going forward. But one of the main things I've actually took, and it was actually something Gerard said in one of his post-matches over the last couple of weeks, and I don't think it's really got um, a lot of people talking, because I think it was just kind of like something he said, half sentence. But he actually talked about Tavernier as Danny's own research now for opponents. He's not waiting to be told how he wants to set up. The gaffer said that he's looking into teams and he's bringing in what he would want to do or something he's identified. And it just feels like, to me, Tamanir this season, since he's came back after has just changed his entire mindset and he's just became just vicious with his preparation. And then you're seeing it. He's ready, no matter what. If we need him to run up and do it for 90 minutes, that's easily done. If we need him to be inside the six-yard box, he will be there. And it's a true, true captain's performance he's the end of the season. But even in saying that... He can't really put any words to the numbers that he's putting in because nobody's ever done that
2: before to
3: that position. Anyone?
2: David, um, do we have a problem with Alfredo Morelos?
0: <laughs> I don't think we have a problem. Um, depends if you're glass half full or glass half empty. Let's let's start with the positive, which is that Rangers aren't reliant on him anymore, and the advantage to that is that that you would think theoretically should release the pressure somewhat because had Alfredo been in the sort of form he's in at the moment, um, this time last year, then Rangers would have struggled very badly with there is the opportunity for the manager to say to him, Okay, Alfie, a couple of weeks on the bet, just you work in training, get get the goals flowing in training and then, you know, maybe bring you on when when we're winning certain matches and you can add a couple and just, just get your, your mojo back. Um so there's that. The negative side of it is, obviously, the goals have dried up. Now, he does have a different role, uh, a slightly different role, but we do have to be fair. Um, I think that there is, and I think we've spoken about this before, I think that when anybody criticises Alfredo, because he he gets so much unjust criticism from sections of the Scottish press and this weird fascination they have with this Colombian kid, that the people who are big, big fans of Alfie get very... Um, annoyed at any criticism of him yeah. and I think that there's a balance to be had somewhere in the middle of that that yes he has a different role in the team, I think it makes the team better that Alfie's being asked to to move about and open up space for players and I think that he's enjoying that uh, or or rather the, the rest of the team are enjoying that, I'm not sure he is quite so much but I think that he's doing it diligently and that's a sign of his maturity Um, and he deserves credit for that but he's missing chances. That, that, that's just a fact. And it doesn't matter where you're playing in the side. If you are missing the chances you are, yes, you might be getting less. But if you're missing the ones you are getting, then that's an issue. And I don't think if Alfie, you know, last year he had, you, you probably know this, CJ, but but well, he must have had about 20-odd by now this time last year. That's right, he was um, closing in on 29. Yeah, he was closing, yeah, yeah. yeah. So even if he had you know, 9 or 10 at this point, then I think that it's it's absolutely totally valid to say, well, it's just a different role, he gets less chances, shut up. I don't think, given that he hasn't got that many at all this year, that, that that is quite fair. So this has always been Alfie. If we're totally honest, Alfie's never had a good season at Rangers. Alfie's had amazing halves of seasons at Rangers. And the way I choose to look at this, Because uh, I'm quite an optimistic sort, is dear Scottish football. If Rangers are sitting thirteen points clear at the top of the league and dominant, and Alfie's good half of the season still to come, you are fucked.
2: (laughs) I like that. I like that. That's that's uh, that's pretty perfect, David. A good way to end that. But Tommy, um, before we wrap this up, Rangers have got six games in seventeen days. um, League Cup. Quarter final, uh, we go back to St. Mirren, we go to St. Johnston, and then we'll put the visits obviously of um, Motherwell Hibbs um, before the old firm derby on the 2nd of January, at which point we'll be ready to, to record the next show. It's a, a vital period for Rangers.
1: It absolutely is, you know, and uh, just to you know, bookend. I, I completely agree with everything that the guys were saying there as well. You know, if, uh, if there's going to be more goals coming from this team, then uh, <laughs> a lot of clubs in Scotland better just pack up their wells. Um, they'll be praying for something else uh, come Christmas time. But yeah, g- is always interesting um, because of the fixture congestion. You've, you've rhymed off a lot of the, the games there, so I'm not going to duplicate that. I think there's a additional incentive this time. Obviously, we don't have the the, the winter break, but Rangers have got that. I'm not going to say who I do, um, because it's cliched nonsense. But they had this perception that something fell apart. Come the Dubai trips and stuff like that. Now those trips aren't there, but the time of the year comes up, so you can bet your bottom dollar, much as I'm doing here, that every hack and every single column and every single you know pre-game uh, interview etc. Are going to reference it, and so. There'll be a little bit of a focus on that. So whilst we have to get through the games, and I don't particularly care how we get through them, right? We just come out of December with the points and then get into the first three games of January and come out with nine points, you know, make me really, really happy. But as long as we are aware of that and we can climb over it and we understand that all the focus is going to be on us because we come out of December, we're probably still, you know, we're going to be front runners from that point, he says, touching wood and making sure that everything is crossed. Then that's the important part of the January position that we've not been in before. And that's the cycle out part. So can Rangers now switch from being a, that was a really good first half of the season. We have done our job, much like we did the season before. We've laid down markers left, right and centre. We've performed really well in Europe. We've done all the things that we've captured in this podcast here. But then the mindset has to maybe just change slightly in that, okay, we're leading the pack, so how do we just continue to do that? How do we manage ourselves? How do we get that over? It sounds slightly trite, but that's the psychological shift, and Rangers have to be ready to put that marker immediately down come, I think it's January the 2nd, isn't it, 3 o'clock? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the important one. If you get in there and you say, okay, when we referenced this last month, when uh, I think I was saying, you know, we went to Celtic Park and we set the parameters of what they could do. Do that again. Show them that they are in second place for a reason, or maybe third place, depending on how how things go. Yeah. But they're not top. Is that they, they won't be top? That's the important thing. And that's where they're going to stay. So if you're looking for a, you know, my overriding point of that is get through these games with the points because that's always the request. But if I, you want a determined marker. January the 2nd, I mean, Hibs is going to be difficult as well, probably, right? But you want to set expectations really early in January. Do you know what? That wasn't a blip of six months you just had because we're going to kick on, get settled in to be looking up the way for the rest of the season because that's where we're going to be.
2: Finally, um, before we go, boys, a perfect chance to all um, give us a wee update on what's happening on your platforms. It needs to be a wee bit better than I did last (laughs) night. uh, I was hopelessly ill and just kind of went. Ah, oh, well, you could find us, you know. So, um, Tommy, give us a wee um, update on what's happening
1: on this, as Ibrox. Yeah, some uh, some good stuff there. So you're right; it couldn't have been much worse than uh, than last month's <laughs> ex- explosive mm-hmm. uh, confidence backing from from all of us. You know, there's some new blogs out talking about uh, a new article in terms of their first ever league title. Um, there's the regular podcast coming out, there's some other blogs coming online as well, and also fairly recently, which seemed to, to be interesting to fans as well, was my conversation with Kieran Maguire from The Price of Football regarding our accounts as well, which uh, seemed to be an enlightening and entertaining watch for people. So I would recommend that people go online, have a look at us on our Twitter, and follow us on YouTube as well.
2: And CJ, what's happening um, over in the world of uh, YouTube? you still dominating over there?
3: <laughs> I'm still just trying to have a laugh. Aye, we're, we're, we're doing our usual one-liners, uh, sparking thumbnails and enjoying ourselves. So aye, if you want to have a wee laugh, come and join.
2: Yeah, and I would certainly recommend that um, CJ's shows and, and this is Ibrox as well. They're both fantastic. Um, David, what is uh, happening on Heart and Hand?
0: Uh, I don't really know. I don't take much <laughs> to do with it these days. Um, I sort of uh, leave that to to the, the kind of, the little people, you know. I, <laughs> I always like to think that when when you have the opportunity to kind of thank them at an award ceremony is the time to do that. Um, but then I have won an award and it was nothing to do with them. So people <laughs> online were saying when I say, I have won an award, they were like, oh, it's, it's great. Well done to you and the team. It the like, fuck all to do with the team. It was, it was me um but if if you if you want to come along and listen to us then free show drops as, as uh you might well be listening to here every monday and thursday it's been friday because we've been playing on thursday but it'll be uh every monday and thursday again till we go back into europe some clubs in glasgow are doing that after all and uh you can catch us patreon.com forward slash heart and hand for just 199 every single month you'll get up to five shows every single day
2: Perfect. Um, yeah, on Four Lads of the Dream, we have our final podcast should um, be released next week. With, um, we're hoping it will be with Chris Boyd, um, but Chris is um, a very busy man with Sky and the Sun, so we're trying to work that out this week. But hopefully we should have him on because he has been a lot of fun recently. Mm. Um, also mm. get the, the regular blogs and uh, get a weekly chat from myself. But I've also got a wee bit of news. Um, tomorrow, a new podcast is launching uh, with a new company called um, Ten Ten, in which I have been offered a job to go on podcast with Alex Ray and Mark Hately on all things Rangers. So that goes live tomorrow. Um, please watch out um, on social media. Um, check out obviously for Lads' of Dream on Twitter, 4 Lads' of Dream on Instagram, where we will be giving out all the information on how to get that. Um so hopefully um, that's going to go well and it's a, a really humbling and exciting thing to be asked to do so I'm looking forward to it and certainly the, the stuff I've done with Mark and Alex so far has been brilliant so all that's really kind of left to, to say is hope everybody has a wonderful Christmas I hope everybody's staying safe and well done to the team and management it's been brilliant so far keep it going thanks for now
0: Podcast Network.